Welcome to the Ronin Rabbit, episode 61. I'm your host, Ed Moore. Ronin Rabbit is a Yusaki Ojimbo fan podcast. If you feel it necessary to leave feedback, you can leave comments on the Google Plus page. The website is bigtimenoise.com slash Rabbit. Email is usakipodcast at gmail.com. And on Facebook, I post the episodes on the Usagi Yojimbo Dojo Facebook page. Today I'm looking at Volume 2, Issue Number 5 of Usagi Yojimbo from Mirage Publishing, cover dated December 1993. Our story is She, Part 2. And as with last episode, our dramatic personnel is Mayamoto Usagi, our protagonist. We have Magistrate Suyoko and Juzo, their brothers. We have a family, Moyashi, Kimi, and uh, the nasty mother, Nobu, a villager. And now, at the end of the first part, and playing a significant part in this second part of the story, is she. All right, we open as the villagers are are, um, scouring the countryside looking for Nobu. He was supposed to run an errand with the vegetables, take them to a nearby village and sell them and come back. All is proof that what has been occurring as far as the banditry has been aimed at Usagi, and so Usagi is the cause, not anyone else. Well, needless to say, he ran afoul of the banditry, Plus, and the villagers have found him, taken him back to his, uh, looks like Moyashi's hut, probably, because Kimi is here too, and so is the mother. And as he wakes, he's still as mean and nasty as he has been. He tells everyone about the she that he met. Uh, Kimi recognizes the word as death. Usagi uh, is is throwing in things here, kind of filling in the story for us. He kind of has um, figured out that the thuggery that's been going on has been directed by Magistrate Suyoka. And at the mention of the she, he thinks and he remembers uh, in his wanderings, uh, he's run across the she uh, being talked about. Four different people, each wielding a different weapon, specializing in a different weapon, the sword, the bow, the spear, and the sickle and chain. Now, with the sickle and chain in mind, I looked it up this episode, and the combination is called a kusarigama. The martial art behind it is kusarigama jutsu. The kama is the sickle-bladed portion of the weapon, and then the chain is called the kusari, and the weighted iron end of it, a big ball at the end, is called the fundo. So the idea is to use, you can use the weight as a weapon also, but typically you use it, you see it used to uh, somehow snare the opponent. And then once snared, you can you can control the distance between you and them, theoretically pulling them in such a manner that they are not able to defend themselves, and you can deliver a uh, final blow with the comma end of the weapon. But it's called a kusarigama. I mentioned it last episode, could not recall the name of it. So they're discussing things here in the hut. The wife still thinks that Usagi is behind a lot of it. The husband, Muyashi, is kind of wavering between agreeing with her, but not necessarily agreeing with Usagi, but feeling that Usagi can't be 
part of what's going on. So it goes back and forth. Usagi tells them that what they need to do is they need to get all the villagers out away for a little while because the she are probably coming for him. It will be better if he faces them in the village alone without having to worry about spectators. They'll have none of this. They're not going to abandon their village because if they do, this is according to the mother, Usagi will rob them blind. And Kimmy points out, we're poor farmers. What possibly could he have, could he want from us? You know, we, we have nothing. Um, at this point, Nobu, who is uh, reviving rather quickly from his beating, jumps up and confronts Kimmy about taking Usagi's side. He calls her a slut. She calls him a coward. I thought slut was kind of harsh language at this time, but if that's how Nobu feels about Kimmy, so be it. Until finally, um, Moyashi agrees that yes, perhaps we need to just step out for a day or two and let this thing finish and then we'll come back. Whatever is going to happen, whoever's fault it is, we just need to get out of the way. doesn't have anything to do with us. Uh, little do they know. We cut back to Magistrate Suyoka and his house, and probably Juzo's house there. I, I feel that he lives there as well. As the she show up, Magistrate Suyoka is impressed that they managed to get past the guards, who we find out are the three thugs who have proven uh, multiple times to be inept. Well, except in the beating up of Nobu. They were pretty proficient in that, but, I mean, come on. So they're talking, explaining uh, the plan as Suyoka knows it, he goes out to do his magistrate duties. We find out from Juzo that the she has been hired to not only clear the village, but also kill Magistrate Suyoko so that Juzo can lay claim to the gold deposits by himself and not have to share with his brother. It starts to rain, so it's a cold and stormy night when the she find the village where they believe that Usagi is holed up. They decide that what one member of the Shi, the uh, gentleman who wields the Kusaragama, actually, decides that he hasn't had a good fight in a while, and maybe this samurai will be a good fight one-on-one and asks to go down by himself. The others acquiesce on the condition that no matter how much work you do, at the end we all still split the money, which was I thought kind of funny. So he goes down, he's searching house to house, door to door, walking around, rounds a corner, and there's Usagi standing at the other end of a courtyard, holding a an umbrella with the sleeves of his tunic, or the sleeves of his robe, I believe it's just a tunic, wound up and tied off, like you've seen a lot of times in like movies, how they will do that to get him out of the way. Normally they extend all the way down to the wrist, or maybe beyond, but he's got him tied up which I thought was just a cool little detail to include, that that is, you know, that is truly how a, uh, a preparation for a fight of that nature would have gone. So the she member attacks, as is customary with a kusaragama. He whips the chain around and throws the weighted end at Usagi, retracts it back to himself. He's whirling it around over his head by the side, trying to hit Usagi various times with the weighted end. Finally throws it in such a way that it wraps around Usagi's sword arm and the sword. So it, it he can't drop the sword, but now, now neither can he really control it because it's at the end of this chain. The uh, 
she member jerks on it and pulls Usagi down onto the ground into the mud and is pulling him towards him, attempting to deliver that final blow using the comma. In the tussle, Usagi is able to deliver a death blow himself with probably it looks like the short sword as opposed to the katana. He's uh, drawn it, the short sword, with his non-bound hand as he was holding his katana in his dominant hand, which was wrapped by the chain, fells that member of the she. The other three are watching from above, and now they descend, climbing down the rocks to the village to finish their mission, but also to avenge their fallen comrade. So now they spread out and start looking around the village. The she member who uses the spear sees out of the corner of his eye Usagi duck into a storehouse, goes after him, there's a confrontation in the storehouse. Uh, Usagi gets cut up a little bit. Looks like he gets stabbed in the leg here, but as he's being stabbed, he cuts the supports for a shelf holding uh, filled pots of stores, and all of this tumbles down onto that member of the she, uh, theoretically killing him. We don't see any indication either way. By the end of the story, he does not reappear, so the assumption is that he was dispatched here. Uh, before Usagi can even catch his breath, the bow-wielding member of the she has heard the commotion, uh, fires off an arrow at Usagi that misses, and in a cool panel, has fired another arrow at Usagi, but Usagi jumps through the wall of the hut, and in all the shrapnel that is is exploding out as he's jumping through, you see over to the side the arrow passing also. Uh, very action-y kind of panel, very cool panel, I think. Usagi continues running, running up into the woods now to find cover there. Sets up a dummy, uh, I don't know, maybe he already had it set up, I, this, I'm not sure how he had enough time to do this, but he sets up a dummy that the archer takes out, and when she goes to view her handiwork of finally laying Usagi low, he jumps out at her from behind, which I thought was a little not cool, but okay, and dispatches her. Uh, This panel is kind of significant because it goes from the black and white tones and and clear, clear definition that we have seen to a very muddied, almost negative kind of image to downplay the violence of this particular panel, but still show that this she member came to a violent end. Usagi takes a break, decides to go on back down to the village now and look for the fourth member who is unaccounted for. Well, he finds him as he is holding his katana to Kimi's throat. Kimi apologizes, says she was there because she wanted to see Usagi in action. The she member tells Usagi to drop the blade. I'm going to cut her head off. You know, the typical hostage standoff kind of thing. Then out of nowhere, Nobu runs out at the dude, yelling and screaming and and taking his attention. Usagi takes that moment to step up and dispatch the fourth and final member of the she. Nobu, suddenly filled with bravery for some reason, picks up the dropped katana of the she member and faces off against Usagi, exclaiming, Face me, samurai. Kimi is mine. I'll show her I'm not a coward. And Kimi exclaims, Nobu! Um, Doesn't look like she's exclaiming any other reason than she's just really surprised. In the next uh, six, seven, eight, nine panels, we see a side of Usagi that I don't believe we've been shown before. Okay? 
he still very much has his blood up, the adrenaline's pumping. He has that fight or flight fight in this case uh, going, and he's very toothy, gritty, grimy as he opposes Nobu. And he tells him, put the sword down, boy. And Nobu says, I'm not afraid of you. Usagi tells him, then you're a fool. Be afraid of me, boy. Be very afraid, as he's walking towards Nobu. The fire is hot within me from the stench of blood and sweat. Don't mess with me now, boy. And Nobu is just standing there facing him, and Usagi grimaces and says, Well? And Nobu just collapses into the ground. Usagi turns, looking at Nobu over his shoulder to make sure, and he sheaths his katana and walks off. Very intense. Um... page and a half or so of Usagi's uh, talking down this Nobu, and I think a lot of it was just as Usagi portrayed it. I don't believe he was he was putting on anything. He had just killed four people who were out to kill him, so I'm sure all of that was still going. And here's some, uh, pardon the Yiddish term, uh, schmuck who wants to do something to him, and you know Usagi could have done anything and just killed him in an instant. Usagi and Kimi, uh, they have this um, reaffirmation of their true feeling, a little mushy-mushy thing here where they're glad they're both alive and everybody's safe and all that stuff. Ah, whatever. All right, we cut to Magistrate Suyoka's residence. We see that he, the magistrate, is sneaking into Juzo's sleep chambers to kill him. And in the death blow, he finds out that this is not Juzo. Juzo is standing over here because he expected the magistrate to come in to try to kill him. Is talking crap to his brother about trying to kill him when we all know that he had the same plans. A battle ensues, but Magistrate Suyoka, uh, his courage wanes and he tries to run away. Gets far enough away that he can yell for the guards before Juzo does indeed kill him. The guards respond see that Juzo has killed the Magistrate Suyoka, regardless of what Juzo is saying. It was self-defense. You don't understand. Stop. Well, the guards rush him and ultimately kill him. The uh, servant runs out, the crier, exclaiming to the village, just as Usagi is arriving at the Magistrate's house, going to finish things, and he finds out, well, you know, my, my work here is done. I'm, I'm good. This is the last time I let the gods decide which road to take, he mumbles. At the beginning of the first story, which I didn't realize at the time was going to be significant, he came to a crossroads, didn't know what to do, picked up a stick, threw it in the air, and whichever way the stick pointed was the way he was going to go. He didn't care. Well, he says now, he does care. He'll pick from now on. To end the story, we're in the village two weeks later. We see Moyoshi and his wife working in the fields. Uh, Nobu and Kimi have married, and they're very much the newly weddy couple doing their newly weddy things. Uh, Moyoshi and the wife are talking. She still is not convinced that Usagi was blameless. And as they're talking, the field that they're working is very rocky, and she happens to pick up one of the rocks to get it out of the way and pitches it off to the side into the stream. As she's saying, besides, what could the magistrate have really wanted with our village? We have nothing. And in the final panels, you see the rock that she's thrown hit the water, drop down through the water, and land on the stream bed 
alongside some shiny rocks, which would have been the gold that the Justice and his brother were after to begin with. All right, um, I think that's everything that uh, drew my interest. As I said, that page and a half of Usagi was really cool to see him like that. Even more unfortunate that he got to that point with the way that the story started, with that really nice, quiet, serene kind of village panel. Next time out, guys, Volume 2, Issue 6, cover dated January 1994 from Mirage Publishing as well. We have about 16 issues of this Mirage uh, volume, so we'll be in here a little while. I'll talk to you guys next time. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production, and as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.